Welcome to Becoming Heisenberg, it's Entertainment Talks podcast for Breaking Bad on AMC and Netflix. I'm your host Matthew, joining me today, my co-host is uh, David, how are you doing? I'm very well, thanks. Good, uh, this is for season uh, 2, episode 7, Negro I Azul, I think that's how you're supposed to pronounce that. It's a bit of a, a bit of a different name for the episode this week. Um, it says here, and it says in the um, the song in the opening, that that means black and blue, basically. So yes. it's just, uh, it doesn't actually mean like negro or whatever. Um, it just means black and blue, but spoken in uh, a different language. So there you go. Uh, what did you think of this episode? Uh, I enjoyed this episode. It's got a fun opening as well. The song mm. is is great fun, and uh, so I I enjoyed that. Um, yeah, it's it sort of I don't know whether there's there's that much that sort of goes on. You get some nice stuff with the DEA in this episode. I think that was probably the best bit, and there is a very memorable scene that you get later on with that with the uh, the turtle, <laughs> Danny mm. Trejo's character. Uh, so you and you start to see this sort of burgeoning relationship as well between um, uh, Jesse and Jane. You get a bit more of, of that coming in. Um, so yeah, overall, I, you sort of it's the aftermath of what happened last week with that sort of crazy episode, and uh, <clears throat> and also Skyler, of course, goes and gets a job, which I've forgotten about that. That. There's mm. that whole storyline going on as well. So yeah, there's there's a reasonable amount of stuff sort of spread around. You know, you're jumping from the various different characters. You know, you're getting a little bit of Walt, you're getting a little bit of Jesse, a little bit of Skylar, a little bit of um, uh, Hank. So yeah, it's it's a good sort of general all round episode. I think of this. Mm. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Because obviously uh, Skylar goes back to the whole Ted. Um situation and everything in this one uh yeah i really really enjoyed this episode i think this is a really really solid really good episode i think probably from like now onwards you're really gonna start to see things ramp up a bit obviously this is kind of like that episode seven eight sort of period in a 13 episode season when okay some of the things we've seen start to come to a head uh, and obviously mm-hmm. we've got a few new kind of plot lines been introduced, uh, like with uh, Hank going to uh, to Mexico and um, uh, the whole like new thing sort of starting there. So with, with mm-hmm. him kind of shifting where he's working and things. Um, yeah, I yeah really, really good episode. I really enjoyed a lot of the, the things that they did. There's a comment that we got later which um, from an email which talks about like action in certain episodes and stuff. Uh, and a few things to say about like how how that can elevate certain uh things but you also shouldn't try to sort of i suppose rely on that too much but then you know when when you've got a good mixture of like action in places where it makes sense and you know that that sort of thing with good story good characters good narrative you know when you've got like the other pieces as well uh, i think it makes something sort of even better so um yeah with kind of a cold open with this uh song that's been um performed and everything i do actually remember uh in the good old summer of 2014 when i watched this whole show and um i remember like oh i'll put the next episode on you know see see what's next for breaking bad and then they start performing this song and i do remember because i watched it on netflix even back then because it's been on netflix for quite some time um 
I I do remember like pressing back and then thinking like did I did I click on the right thing did I play some sort of like other <laughs> show or something and then it said no Breaking Bad like yeah two two oh seven I was like oh right okay we'll we'll see where this goes but that's kind of the the idea of some of these cold opens is to make you think like wait a minute what is this and then it's sort of making yeah. sense a bit later on um I mean I know as they go to perform more of the song it's clear it's okay about heisenberg and you know all the you know cartel crystal meth thing and that but it's that first couple of seconds where it's just these guys performing this song and you like if you may be watching this for the first time you might think like wait what what's 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 going on here but uh that's that's kind of the brilliance of it as well in a way um that I i think there's two occasions where i've done that with tv shows where i've sort of like played an episode wondered if i'd clicked on the right thing and uh like got confused i think it was the other one was the fargo season two premiere when it was um kind of like a a bit of a prequel to to the first season because it had like a younger version of a couple of the characters and they opened with this i can't remember exactly what it was it's been a few years but they opened with this really weird kind of thing and i was like am i watching like fargo or whatever so those are the only two occasions where that's kind of happened um how, how did you kind of like take all that when you when you first uh saw this like this sort of just out of place thing um i i don't remember when i first watched it having sort of feeling like it was sort of out of place particularly because i kind of got used to the fact that these openings are a little bit strange a little bit weird and once you actually see the content of what they're talking about which is you know they're talking about the fact that um, there's this person called Heisenberg that has disrespected the Mexican drug cartel and cornered mm. the market in Albuquerque of like blue meth and stuff. So um, yeah, I I don't remember sort of um, thinking specifically with this that I I clicked on the wrong thing. <laughs> there, there are occasions with TV shows where you end up, you know, their, their cold opens are, are sort of a section which is much further into the story. And then they sort of, you know, when you get to the opening, after the opening titles, it goes like 12 hours earlier. And yeah, there yeah. are occasions where I've had something like that happen. And you're like, wait, wait, have I just hit fast forward somewhere and jumped into the wrong bit? So, um, yeah, that's sometimes a bit confusing. But yeah, the opening song, um, say it's, in English, it's black and blue. It's It's apparently a parody of... Uh, narco Carrillo, uh, which is a, a sort of particular type of uh, um, it, it's kind of a, a traditional uh, Mexican kind of song, but about drugs. So it's sort of a, a traditional Mexican version of gangster rap is, is the way it has been described, according to uh, to some of the re- reports. That's sort of how it's it's generally put across. But um, yeah, it's it's a it's a fun. Uh, it was a fun way of opening it, and they got the guy sort of dressed in the um, uh, the the guy dressed in the the Heisenberg outfit as well as sort of you know it, it was like a full music video for this sort of weird song that they opened with. I I really like that as a sort of strange cold open that they did. Mm-hmm. The other, the other interesting kind of funny thing about the episode, um, I remember because obviously there was all the you know hype and stuff in 2013, you know big series, um, big uh, final season, Breaking Bad's ending, you know big kind of TV event or whatever, which which those things are, you know when a big show has mm-hmm. its uh, final, like a Game of Thrones or Wire or something like that, you know when it, when it's got its big final season, um, and I remember I I knew what Breaking Bad was about, this guy like with with cancer and there's all this like. Um, drug dealing and stuff 
and then I remember I think like a conversation I, I can't remember if it was an in-person conversation or one online or maybe it was even both where somebody said like oh did uh what what did you think of that like um head on a turtle in Breaking Bad I was like I have no idea what you're talking about <laughs> so because um, I, I know even if they told me who the character was um you know I would have had no like context or whatever so um yeah that was interesting mm. so yeah revisiting the sort of past a little bit with that um anyway that's some of our uh pre-talk sort of thoughts on the episode let's get into some housekeeping and then we'll uh get into the uh episode itself hi there and thanks very much for listening today i'm here to tell you about our two different affiliate links the first of which is our amazon affiliate link that's where you can shop on amazon we can get a small cut of what you spend but it won't cost you anything extra so whether you're getting a gift for somebody else or treating yourself or maybe both depending on the occasion we can get a small cut of what you spend but it won't cost you extra you can find the link to our amazon affiliate link in your show notes the second affiliate link for today is our Kualu affiliate link if you want to get started with a website and a domain name of your choice you can simply sign up with Kualu using the link in the show notes they also have a live chat support system that's in the bottom right hand corner as well so if you need help with getting set up Kualu will be able to help you with that as well the links for both of these can be found in your show notes for Kualu and the Amazon affiliate link if you would like to get the ad-free versions of Entertainment Talks podcast and support us along the way, you can simply sign up over on our Patreon page. You can sign up either as a creator or as a patron. There's no difference there for the time being. And you can get your ad-free podcasts over there. It's a great way to support us on Entertainment Talk and to get rid of the ads and get your ad-free podcasts. You can also support Entertainment Talk on Patreon at the $3 level tier. This gets you a chance to request a review from us of your favourite TV show or film. But it's one per month. So one TV show or film review per month. It's up to you which one you want to choose. We will watch a few episodes of the TV show that you choose. Or of course if it's a film we'll just watch that film and we will review that for you on that month and then when it gets to the next month you can request a new tv show or a film review of your choice that's three dollar level tier that does also of course include your ad free podcasts for the month as well thank you very much for listening and enjoy the rest of the show okay so recently uh yesterday we did another gaming talk podcast uh we talked about playstation 5 has got 25 games in development most of which have not been um uh, uh, revealed yet as to what they are some of them are new ip and some of them are like other games as well uh, so me and robert speculated on you know there's quite a few games there what could they be what could they be for uh they sony has said that um half of them which you can't actually have a half of 25 because you can't have 12 and a half video games but roughly half of those games um on new ip so we discussed what those will be and then some are going to be other games as well uh so a bunch of stuff because we know certain games that are like on the way uh and some of which we haven't quite seen yet but uh, you can make guesses based off you know previous games that we've seen and what sony kind of kind of already has 
in their portfolio uh, and that sort of thing um we also talked about summer games uh fest which is going to be returning this year so we're going to have e3 and summer game fest uh this year so lots and lots of announcements that's all starting i think from next month from from june which isn't actually that far away so uh i talked about all that and a bunch of other stuff as well uh fear the walking dead still continuing season six episode 14 i did check the check the schedule and it does look like there possibly isn't an episode next week i'm not entirely sure why but um yeah, so uh, well, you'll find out because you'll either watch the episode yourself or there'll be no podcast next week or there might be. So we'll, we'll see what exactly happens with uh, with all that. But there's only two episodes left, 15 and 16. But this week's episode was season six, episode 14 for that. Uh, on the final day of the Premier League season, May United beat Wolves by two goals to one. Uh, Alanga getting his um, first goal for Manchester United. is not his first appearance. He has played a game or two before. Uh, but another young player coming through from the academy, which is always good to see. Because you like to buy, you know, big expensive players. But, uh, you know, the academy's there for some reason. Uh, or for a particular reason. And uh, it was good to see some uh, some of the younger players playing as well quite a good goal ahead of goal as well so that was good and uh speaking of the opposite end one matter who looks like he's leaving Manchester United scored his uh, potentially his final goal for Man United as well which was a good kind of send-off for him and uh there's also of course a big big game later tonight Man United are in a cup final it's the Europa League final against Villarreal and I'll be doing a podcast on that that will either be a very happy episode or a very sad episode because we can't share the trophy someone's gonna win it and someone's gonna lose it so we'll see what happens with that uh so there's that gonna be that later it's against Villarreal that's the uh Europa League final uh Zack Snyder returned to uh releasing another film I know that we had the Snyder cut earlier this year uh, this is switching gears a little bit, going back to zombies for him. He did do, I think, Dawn of the Dead before. Uh, this is Army of the Dead. It's a uh, new zombie film on Netflix and certain cinemas, if you can find them in, in those as well. Uh, but it's available on Netflix, and I gave it a don't skip uh, rating. I reviewed it at the weekend, and that was a lot of fun. Really, really liked it. The only problem I kind of had with it was the pacing was a bit off, but uh, I liked his ideas, and I liked the film overall. And uh, so that was quite good as well. Uh, analyzing television episode 11 talking about netflix's quantity over quality problem uh some things that have happened last year and some things that have happened this year they've had a little bit of a slow start to 2021 so far i think there's a few different reasons as to that uh, obviously the pandemic is is a big part of that but uh, lots of talking points there in terms of what netflix is doing not quite right at the moment i'm sure netflix will be fine but uh they're just uh, having a bit of a miss at the moment, I, I feel. Uh, switching gears as well, analysing television episode 10, talking about the brilliant Apple TV+, Plus, talking about what they're doing right, what I really like about them, which is most of the shows that I've seen, if not all the shows that I've seen on there, and uh, talking about what I think they're doing well, and uh, their kind of different approach, which is quality over quantity, at least at the moment. That might change in the future, you never know, but uh, they're doing some pretty good stuff. At the moment, uh, I did a podcast talking about the excellent return of 90s video games, lots of remasters and remakes from the 90s games such as Crash and Abe and Spyro, Final Fantasy and the list goes on. There's quite a few different ones, uh, really sort of narrowing it down to that PlayStation 1 90s era of games, which is the era that I grew up with. So obviously there's a lot of meaning for me within that. Uh, so really enjoy talking about those uh, games and just uh, there's a lot of good reasons as to uh, a lot of good things that are happening with 90s games at the moment. Uh, speaking of 90s games, I did my review for Oddworld Soulstorm. I gave it a must-play rating. And uh, that's a remake of the second game, which was previously called Oddworld Abe's Exodus. Uh, that's another 90s PS1 game. So that was really good. And 
yeah, that's pretty much everything we've been doing on Entertainment Talk. And you can also find us on podcast platforms. Uh, yes, the episode opens, uh, 207. Uh, episode opens with the band uh, Los... I'm not going to try to pronounce what that says because I'm going to mess it up. Uh, performing a song <laughs> called Negro uh, I Azul uh, called Black and Blue. Which is about how a, a gringo boss named Heisenberg, of course Walter White, uh, is disrespecting the Mexican uh, drug cartel by cornering the Albuquerque market with high um, quality, high quality blue crystal meth. Uh, the song is a narcorido uh, parody performed as a uh, New Mexico music style uh, rachera. Referencing the show's neo-western and New Mexico setting. Um, so yeah, they perform this song. They talk about uh, the things that are going on with Heisenberg and the whole drug cartel stuff. Basically, singing singing about the plot of Breaking Bad, really, uh, in in a way. Uh, you see, you do see some. Um, it's not actually Walt himself, but you do see in the background of certain shots somebody dressed up as Heisenberg. Uh, you also see what appears to be a sort of fake like maybe dead version of him like there's one on the, he's like mm-hmm. laying on the floor later on in in this cold open um i did look at the timer on the episode uh when the song had finished i can't remember it was around three minutes something so probably breaking bad's longest cold open i can't remember like some of the later ones if they're a bit longer or not but uh quite a long one obviously it's a whole song to be performed as opposed to some of the other things that we've had um it's pretty good it's a little bit confusing to start off with but then once you hear about you know crystal meth heisenberg you you get the gist of uh what they're singing about and then uh then we move into the uh intro for the show uh so what do you think of the uh uh cold open here yeah, no, I enjoyed it. I, I think it's fun and it's different. And yeah. it does, it's an interesting way of of rather than, you know, you could have done this dramatically by showing off some drugs cartels of sort of, you know, getting angry and upset at the fact that, you know, and, and being handed this blue meth and, and being and seeing it, you know, you could have done a sort of visual representation of drug bosses in Mexico getting upset over, over the fact that this blue meth has suddenly turned up and, you know, they're losing money and all this sort of stuff. You could have done that in a much more traditional way. And I just like the fact that they just turned in to basically sing it and, and introduce it that way. I think it was a really fun way of doing it. It was interesting and different. And uh, yeah, I, I like the way, because I mean, that was information we hadn't really been, given at this point of of how the mexican drug cartels were handling this sudden rise of this new person that was you know of of this heisenberg character um you know we we didn't really uh, the, uh, all we knew at that point was the fact that they were doing it in albuquerque and you know there was this little meth business that you know heisenberg had sort of popped up and started uh, we didn't really know how it was affecting the wider drug business. So rather than do it in a straight way, I just love the fact that they just went, let's hire a band and get them to kind of sing about it. And uh, I-, I think it worked really well. And it's a really fun way of doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's a pretty kind of fun, cool, different uh, cold open. Uh, I do like how much effort you could certainly say Breaking Bad puts into these cold opens there's it's not just like hey here's the start of the episode little break then go into the rest of the episode it's sort of we're trying to tell you a specific kind of part of the story whether or not you'll find it out in that episode you're not entirely sure 
Uh, obviously, mm-hmm. we know as we're going back through the series, but things like you know the bouncing car, we found out that 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 the uh, in that same episode, um, the uh, teeth grill thing from Tuco, we saw that in the same episode. The teddy bear, which is kind of like the season long um, arc thing uh, for this, we haven't really seen about yet. But uh, yeah, you get you get a good mixture of both, I think, because you're not just seeing the teddy bear in the pool every single week over and over again you know it's it's, it's different things mm-hmm. as well but then now and again it's like hey don't forget about this this teddy bear in the pool how did it get in there figure it out um yeah and then sort of showing like hey we're going to show you something different this is related to the episode and sort of changing it up so i i can't really think of many other shows that are kind of as experimental maybe with their their cold opens um yeah and i know, I, I know obviously you know most of the shows use them as sort of like a kicking on point for the the start of the episode um or to like set up what that one's going to be about but i can't think of another show that does it in the same way that breaking bad does so no yeah um so after that uh walt has trouble getting in touch with jesse and goes to his apartment um jesse has been staying inside and smoking marijuana since witnessing spooge's murder Walt is at first horrified that someone was murdered but calms down upon hearing that nobody can identify Jesse because there's no way that that mum uh, character is, yeah. is going to. Um, I wonder if she knows what her even, and uh, like her name even is or whatever. Like, yeah, she, she probably yeah. doesn't remember certain basic things about her in life or, or whatever. Um, or probably like, you know, her son's birthday. Uh, or her son's name, maybe, if she, if she remembers any yeah. of those sorts of things. So, no, she probably isn't going to uh, be able to uh, say what Jesse looked like. Uh, before we talk about this Jesse and Walt stuff, um, he does uh, Walt does talk to one of his students um, in this scene as well. And um, this, this uh, student like hasn't quite made his grade, but almost has. I kind of found it very interesting the way that Walt talks to him about, okay... With science, you're either kind of right or you're wrong. Like, there is no sort of, we got really close. Um, and it, it's kind of true. I mean, it's the same thing with, you know, speaking of the high, the high school stuff they're doing here, of, like, tests and things, which I'm assuming is what this is, like, building up towards, like, his grade and everything. You either pass the test or you kind of fail it. I mean, there's different degrees of maybe passing a test. Uh, like, you can get certain different grades that are a pass and are a fail, but you don't, like, kind of pass. Um, so I, I thought that was an interesting way for... I, I mean, it doesn't really matter in terms of, like, this, this kid and stuff and what he's kind of, like, doing, because he's obviously kind of just a, a bit of a red shirt to us. But in terms of Waltz, obviously, this is more to do with uh, his character. It does kind of give us a little bit of an insight, because we never quite really saw um what him and jesse were like as uh student and and teacher so this kind of gives a bit of a sort Mm -hmm. of a bit later in life granted you know a lot of things have happened since then you know cancer diagnosis and drug cartel and you know all that kind of thing so but it gives a different kind of okay well like what is he sort of like when well when his students are actually paying attention to him We, we saw so many scenes um like even so far in the episodes to where uh, you know, he's kind of explaining something in the class and there's like no enthusiasm from his students or anything. No one's like putting their hand up and answering, asking questions or anything like that. They're just sort of sitting there mm-hmm. writing in their books. So, yeah, for him to actually talk to one of these students and for it to not be Jesse, I uh, I, I thought was kind of an interesting little touch. It's nothing like massively important. It's just an interesting little touch to see, okay, 
even after everything he's gone through and he's gone back to teaching and everything, what is he like now, I suppose? Um, what do you make of his conversation with this student? Yeah, I mean, it does... It's difficult to know, like you say, we didn't really know what he was like before and whether he maybe would have been a bit more lenient because there is a certain amount of leeway with those sort of tests. You know, I mean, there is a certain amount of discretion that teachers have in terms of the grading to, uh, you know, maybe bump a grade up a little bit if they think that the kid has worked very hard on it and it maybe has got you know maybe it's a question where they've come to the wrong conclusion but they've got the concept right they've just miscalculated something you know so there is possibly a a a little bit of leeway which is what the kid was angling for but i think the point in that particular discussion was Walt didn't believe that the kid had actually put in the work, you know, and, and, the, and the kid didn't help himself by saying, I stayed up, I, you know, I studied all night. It's like, well, yeah, but you probably should have been studying a lot long before, just like trying to cram for it the night before. So, um, I mean, it was, you know, it was interesting just to see Walt come down quite hard on him then. And, we don't know whether he might have been more lenient in his sort of, you know, prior to, to his Heisenberg kind of persona starting to come out. But um, so I, I, I don't know. Uh, yeah, interesting little scene, though. And like you say, it, you know, the the kid itself is re- he's pretty irrelevant. It, but it, it does tell you something about Walt's sort of fairly rigid mindset at this point mm-hmm. um, yeah. in terms of not letting the kid off. Yeah. So, uh, and then obviously we see that he's uh, moved his second cell phone. He's got it in the uh, yeah, like ceiling thing, whatever you call that. Uh, and he sort mm-hmm. of moves the, the the board or whatever to to get it out. Um, I wonder if he moved that after the whole thing with Skylar. Um, I I would have assumed so. Yeah. Yeah, and ki- and keeps it there maybe because I'm assuming would he have key? I mean, he's probably got keys to his classroom. I'm just wondering will, about. Yeah. I'm just wondering about when, like, the school day's finished and the school's like closed up and everything. If he needs to get to that phone, like, if he, like, how much does he maybe carry it around and how much does he have to leave it up there? I suppose. And obviously, when he's at the school I and he's got I... it up there, it has to be switched off because you don't want to have a uh, phone ringing from the, the ceiling. See, <laughs> yeah, the ceiling. Yeah. Yeah. Ringing. yeah, that might uh, cause some questions. So uh, I I did forget about that actually that he that he did hide it in there, mm-hmm. but I'm guessing that was a post argument with Skylar thing where he knew he had to kind of move it. So yeah, yeah, because um, then when he gets calls at home, he knows it's just from that phone that he's got. I assume so it wouldn't cause the same problems. Maybe. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you think of the scene? Uh, I did already kind of read it out because uh, Walt's worried about this whole spooge thing uh, and him getting murdered and uh, if Jesse can be identified. Uh, this is a kind of because he goes there to meet um, like Jane won't quite let him in. And then he says about, oh, I'm his what, what he says is his dad or whatever. He's Jesse's dad. Yeah. And um, Jane, like you could see it kind of on her face. She kind of doesn't really like believe him or whatever. And uh, yeah, and then and eventually Jesse does open his door and and let him in. She, he says to Jane that everything is like fine. He clearly seems a bit out of it or whatever. Obviously, he's been on the um, mm. what do you call that thing? What do you call the thing that he's smoking? A uh, bong, uh, uh, bong, bong thing. Yeah, he's clearly been on that for like a few days or whatever. So, 
Um, and then he goes in there and talks to him about, uh, hey, this thing that's... I like the way he says, hey, you see this thing that's blinking? Yeah, he's supposed to, like, answer that. <laughs> um, yeah, it, yeah. It's very kind of... We've seen Walt speak to Jesse in that kind of way before. Like, you see this thing? He's supposed to answer it. I thought that was a, a good little touch. Um, what do you think of their kind of interaction? Or the, the, the three of them, I suppose, Jane, Walt, and, uh, and Jesse? Yeah, I mean, I, I I do like Jane because she's kind of very sardonic and, and doesn't doesn't sort of give a whole lot away. She seems very suspicious of everybody, um, but you know, so yeah. Obviously, she's him in, and then Jesse answers the door. The conversation inside, because of course, I mean, one of the messages that Walter's let Jesse is is to leave the you know don't go and handle the thing I told you to handle, mm. and uh, so of course when he gets there and he finds out you know jesse supposedly handled it but again that's quite interesting because jesse's kind of fronting to start off with going yeah well i handled it you know uh so the guy died i handled it and like you know that freaks walt out and then it becomes you know he checks the gun and there's still bullets in it and he's like wait a minute and um jesse's like well I didn't say I killed him. <laughs> so mm. he sort of ends up kind of backtracking from it. So, and, and the, the, the whole sort of, you know, going over, okay, exactly what happened. Um, Jesse's fairly out of it at this point, which is pissed off well anyway. So, you know, going through everything and then kind of manages to calm down the fact that there is zero chance that anybody would have actually uh, recognised jesse so you know he thinks they're probably okay to to sort of uh you know to, to kind of go move past this um yeah. but of course the the fact that somebody died and you know the guy got his head crushed with an atm machine comes up later on again as well uh and uh well sees an opportunity there so yeah it, it's sort of interesting just i mean the interactions between these two always are quite interesting in that there is a still that sort of student teacher relationship going on and jesse tries to pretend that he's okay and this this sort of you know he's fine dealing with this life but he clearly struggles with it you know which is why he's completely stoned after witnessing what he witnessed so mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I found it very interesting. Like, he he gets into the house or whatever, and he's like, "Yeah, I dealt with it." Sees the gun on the side, and Walt tries to put initially two and two together and thinks, "Oh, you shot him," and then realizes about the gun and everything. Um, I I thought that was that was quite good. So, um, but uh, yeah, because I mean, uh, Spooge is dead, so obviously he ain't recognizing Jesse because he's not alive anymore. Uh, the mum was too out of it to probably remember like anything, and the son isn't going to say anything. So obviously Jesse helped him anyway. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I think yeah, I'd, I'd agree with Jesse there. I think he's he's probably fine. So, but now there's a yeah, as you said, a bit of a reputation about hey, Jesse crushed this guy's uh, head with with an ATM, and uh, that plays mm-hmm. out in this in this next scene. Uh, a call comes in from Badger to set up a deal. Uh, Walt is forced to meet Jesse's uh, dealers because he's kind of like out of it or not up to it at the moment. Uh, so uh, Walt meets uh, Jesse's dealers and learns they are now afraid of Jesse following a rumor that he killed Spooge. Uh, Walt uses Jesse's new um, 
reputation to galvanize him into helping and expanding their operation. Uh, so we see uh, what her name is Badger, Skinny P, and um, what's the other one's name? Uh, I don't know that. Yeah, Badger and Skinny Pete are the two kind of main ones, and then there's the other guy, and I can't remember his name. Uh, yeah, yeah, but the, he, he he meets with uh, Jesse's free free uh, combo free, combo. That's it, combo Skinny Pete and Badger. Yeah, combo. yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure it is. So, um, but yeah, he meets with them, and they're at this sort of like museum type of place for like war nuclear like weapons and things uh they make a couple of jokes mm-hmm. uh, among each other before heisenberg actually gets there um and uh yeah it's I, I found it interesting the way the three of them were like hey did he did he do it and you see walt in kind of a moment of huh i have something i can kind of use here uh, and obviously he's full in his sort of heisenberg persona at that point there there is there is no walter white in in that scene that's all that's all heisenberg and um what was it he said i think he says like, oh he just says oh you didn't hear it from me kind of thing yeah uh which i found quite interesting so not actually saying like yeah he did it or like no nah, no nah, not true just sort of like hey you didn't hear it from me kind of thing um and then uh yeah they sort out some stuff and then uh heisenberg leaves you can see a little sort of smirk on his face as well when he leaves of like hmm mm. i got that one right kind of thing uh, again, just yeah. f- full on the Heisenberg persona coming out, the little smirk at the end, the way he talks to these three, um, really quite uh, quite interesting and quite good from the character. I thought. Uh, what do you think of his interaction too? Yeah, well, I mean, it's the first time he's met these these three, and you could tell he's not sort of overly impressed with this team that uh, Jesse's put together. But you know, they've got they're getting the money, they're getting the the drugs sold and that's what they're there for but yeah mm-hmm. the way that what handles it of sort of go yeah like you say yeah they're they're, they're kind of badgering walt to sort of say yeah is it true did he do it and and walt's just like uh you didn't hear it from me so he does it in a way of not actually telling them anything um so yeah i it's it sort of finds it that it will be a useful bit of of cover um and in terms of you know and he is pushing jesse as well to expand the operation which he's you know jesse then does later on um and, and they start to sort of grow things as well so um yeah it's it's a sort of all round an interesting scene and of course they there is a slight heisenberg reference in the fact that it's the nuclear science museum as well um there, there is a reference on one of, I think it's on one of the walls or something to, to Heisenberg and the atomic bomb or something. So, um, yeah, I think that was, that was sort of interesting to, uh, to see hmm. that, uh, pop up and that sort of being picked up as the, the location where they've now decided that they're going to meet. It's the national museum of nucleus science and history, apparently. Hmm. Yeah. Um, see, with scenes like this, when you look at Brian Cranston, it uh, sometimes I don't feel the need always to say like, "Hey, the acting was really, really good in the scene," because it's pretty obvious. Plus, if we if we started saying that all the time, we'd be saying that like all the time with this show because there's so many good performances <laughs> throughout the whole show. But uh, yeah, particularly good acting here from uh, from uh, from Brian himself. Um, I wonder what it was like for him because I don't recall hearing about it in any interviews or anything. What it was like for him to try and play more of the Walter persona at home 
and then the Heisen, like switching it up the Heisenberg thing uh, out in the streets and everything. Um, there must have been a fun little sort of thing for him to do. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it sort of shows how brilliant Brian is as an actor, this show. Uh, you know, because there is so much flipping backwards and forwards between... You know the the sort of broken man that Walter is on occasion to this sort of much harder persona of Heisenberg to some out and out sort of just comedic moments because of course I mean prior to this he was known mainly as for doing the sitcom Malcolm in the Middle <laughs> so he was known really more as a comedy actor and it's it, it just shows the ridiculous range that man has mm. um, so it's you know this role is he's great for him just across the board mm-hmm. i know he was on that show what what role did he did he play because he was I... the father of the family oh that makes sense okay yeah um because you had uh oh, no, i'm thinking of everybody hates chris because you had the actor that played was it noah in the walking dead but that's everybody hates chris that's a completely different thing so right uh, yeah. i was thinking of something else um who played malcolm on that show because i can't quite remember oh uh it was a young lad called uh well he's not that young these days actually um he <laughs> is uh frankie frankie Muntz is was the the uh lead he's actually 35 now but um no. yes just to make everybody feel old but uh <laughs> yeah uh he he was the because the, i think there were three children and he was the the main front child child hmm. okay um anyway moving on from that he walks away with a smirk and uh walt's happy with that particular situation uh moving over to his brother-in-law hank is having trouble fitting in in fitting in at the dea office in el paso texas where his sense of humor is not really appreciated or sort of like recognized and his co-workers do not really kind of like pay attention to him or respect him or like anything like that really uh partly due to his lack of ability in speaking spanish obviously the language bearer uh at a meeting with a cartel informant named uh togota tortiga tortiga tortuga tortuga i think uh, yes Mm -hmm. uh hank loses his patience uh at the man's demand and uh his apparent disrespect as well which is sort of sitting there smoking and, and talking about stuff um Let's stop there for a second, actually, because then it goes into the whole uh, tortoise yes. thing and the explosion. Um, yeah, seeing a bit of, in the last two episodes, we've seen a bit of uh, a different side to Hank as well. More of the sort of, I, don't know, I, I mean, I guess, yeah, you call it vulnerable, wouldn't you? Because the whole uh, the uh, panic attack in the elevator and the, the, the sort of lead up after all of that. Um, so basically going from him taking out Tuco and the sort of PTSD to now where he's kind of changing still doing the same job just in a different place still a, a dea officer mm-hmm. uh but doing it in this uh different place he can't really fit in people don't actually speak the same language as him um there's not a whole lot on his desk either i noticed it, it, that guy gives him that little trophy thing or that little thing whatever and uh that's pretty much it but um yeah there's there's two incidents where we see Someone in the office makes a joke and he laughs at it really late and everybody else has kind mm-hmm. of like moved on from the joke. And then the part where he tries to make a joke 
and nobody else kind of reacts. And you really do see a different side of, of Hank in this where you think back to some of the scenes in the office he used to be in. And he's like owning the room. He's making everybody laugh. He's making jokes. He's confident. Uh, he's like, you know, the alpha of the whole place, basically. And he's getting people to like cheer and, and stuff like that. If you remember the whole manhunt for Tuco scene <laughs> as well. Uh, where he's like, hey, we're going to get this guy and all that sort of thing. To this massive change where he's yeah not really not really fitting in um i mean it's it's an interesting scene it's not very uh good for the character though it's not like sort of nice to watch i suppose but it's you know kind of entertaining for for tv and stuff um so yeah what do you think of hank's uh lack of ability to to fit in here i suppose it's it it, it's so kind of cringy watching hank trying to fit in there because he's obviously his first day because i mean there's nothing on his desk there's no computer there's just like nothing he's literally just sat behind the desk when we first see him there um and then you know they they clearly have no idea what the guy is doing there uh you know there is the conversation that you know when they're out in the field a bit later the two officers are talking in spanish and they're going what the hell is this guy doing here oh apparently he's some big hero from uh albuquerque he's like well yeah maybe a big hero in albuquerque but you know this is this is mexico and and, i mean there is a certain amount of truth to that because i mean being a dea officer on the mexican border compared to being a dea officer in somewhere like albuquerque is going to be vastly vastly different you know i mean mexico is basically the, the the front line of the dea's war on drugs so you know there is a there is a huge disparity between the uh two of them so you can sort of see where the other DEA officers are coming from. And the fact that he's ended up working on the Mexican border and doesn't speak Spanish is a bit weird as mm. well. Because you'd think, I mean, yeah, he did a great job at Albuquerque. But I mean, you would have thought a single prerequisite for being involved in the DEA anywhere near Mexico would be the ability to speak Spanish. So, um, yeah, I mean, so that. That I thought was it's so painful to watch some of that scene just just because you can see he's desperately trying to fit in and he just he's such a fish out of water in that DEA office. Mm. And then you go on to that meeting later on where he's he's trying to use his sort of bully tactics and uh, I mean because uh, Tortuga, who's played by the amazing Danny Trejo, who you'll have yeah. seen in a million different things and. Uh, you know, Danny Trejo's just like sat there, and they've they've obviously got this deal of the way that they work with him, and it works. Of he picks stuff out of a catalog and says, "Get me one of those, get me five of those," and <laughs> then he gives them information, which I I kind of love as a sort of you know because he's buying like the what was it a signed baseball and then like rugs in the shape of hundred dollar bills and stuff. It's such a really weird, wonderful kind of. This is a sort of strange thing that this drug lord does, and I, I rather like that. I, I think that's a really nice, just a bit of sort of oddity. And you know, he's then informing uh, the DEA, uh, basically just forgetting these stupid little trinkets. And the DEA are going to be like, you know, fine, okay, we'll do that if it gets us the information we need. Great. And but Hank, of course, being Hank, is used to being able to bully his way through situations, so leaps in and mm. starts to sort of try and push him. And you know, uh, Tortuga and, and you know, somebody like Atreo is 
not like this is like no i do things you know tortuga means tortoise i do things slowly that's you know but i always win um so don't try and push me around and he's just kind of a big f you to to hag and makes him look ridiculous in front of the rest of them so it's yeah i i just really like that scene the the both both those scenes actually are really really good because it it just shows how out of water he is how out completely out of his depth he is in that area and you know just just not understanding how anything works mm-hmm. down there so yeah i yeah. i really like those scenes mm. Reminds me a little bit, not quite in the same way of uh, there's a Netflix show called Emily in Paris, which I saw the first season of. I don't know if you've seen any of that. Um, no, it's uh, it's been renewed for a second season. It's in production at the moment, and uh, uh, one because she's kind of like a social media um, manager, kind like kind of person or whatever, like a social media influencer to promote the companies she works for and stuff, which is like fashion brands or whatever. And uh, she gets this like promotion or this new job to go and work in France, and she doesn't speak much or any sort of French because uh, she's an American girl. And then, but that in that series, it's played more for sort of comedy of their sort of like saying things about her a bit more sort of comedic, and it comes off that way. So it's a, it's a different kind of approach, obviously. For this, it's more sort of dramatic for the character of Hank and more sort of awkward. Uh, whereas in this, mm-hmm. whereas in that series, it's played more for comedy and and laughs and stuff. Um, so it just kind of reminded me of that a little bit. It, it, what really kind of is somewhat quite clear in this scene as well is okay, cool. He got this promotion. He took down Tuco, big um, drug kingpin, all this sort of thing. This this clearly hasn't been very well sort of organized because when. He goes to agree to do this job because um, we don't. I, I don't recall seeing a particular scene, but like there should have made. There could have possibly been a scene, I suppose, or, or maybe a conversation where, okay, yeah, this is down in Mexico. Uh, they speak Spanish over there, and Hank doesn't speak any Spanish, so the kind of lang- the clear language barrier there and everything. Um, I I thought that was interesting to see. Okay, usually most things in Hank's life have been quite well organized, or he's been like in charge of things, or he's been the like the big guy in charge or whatever. And this is kind of completely flipping that script, which I did find very very interesting. I just kind of wondered, specifically with the character of Hank when he's accepting this job and reading about, or assume like finding out about the details, the language barrier there. So I I, I thought that was kind of interesting as well. So. Um, but uh, obviously we see how uh, things get on a little bit later because uh, some days later after that uh, while waiting for a meeting in the desert Hank spots a message from the cartel uh, Tortuga's severed head because he looks through his sort of binoculars because he, he initially sort of like it's all kind of quiet everyone's a bit bored and everything everyone's sort of walking around that sort of like calm before the storm and um yeah he sort of noticed you see this sort of like the music changes a bit hank sort of starts squinting and he's noticed a little something then starts looking through the binoculars and is like you know sort of snaps and thinks you know tries to get everybody to sort of pay attention uh so they go over there they do see that it's uh his uh severed head mounted on the top of a tortoise kind of going slowly through this desert uh hank is sickened by it he moves away from the tortoise and goes back to his car everyone laughing at him and being like oh look you're supposed to be the big guy or scared of this like tortoise or whatever um 
But then uh, one of them goes to inspect it. Takes I, I noticed I can't remember if I noticed this the first time I saw it. But they go to lift the head off. And that's when it blows mm. up. So that was probably like the actual trigger. They lift the head up. They're all laughing and joking about like, oh, you know, Hank, big guy, whatever. He's walked away, big sort of like wuss or whatever. I, I suppose they're kind of implying. And then a uh, big explosion. Uh, a few of them die around it. The uh, One of the guys that was uh, talking to Hank in the previous scene, his leg is blown off. So it's all just kind of hell broken loose. And um, Hank is completely not sort of shook up by this, which I think anybody probably would be, to be fair. Um, mm. but uh, good thing Hank moved away. Otherwise, we wouldn't have him in the in the series anymore because he'd be he'd be blown up yeah. as well. Um, I kind of remembered parts of this scene as well with like the the blown off leg and obviously like with the head and the tortoise and and that sort of thing. Obviously, you know, re- in terms of the conversation I said about earlier, when someone said, "Hey, what do you think of like the head on the tortoise kind of thing?" and I had no clue what they're talking about, then I saw this episode and then it all became very clear <laughs> after that. <laughs> so, yeah. um. Yeah, what do you think of uh, this explosive scene? Well, I, I mean, the head on the tortoise, I remember the head on the tortoise. It's sort of I, fairly iconic, mm. that scene. I, I couldn't remember exactly what happened. I have vague memories of the fact that it blew up and stuff, but I couldn't remember the the sort of surrounding circumstances. But it's quite interesting seeing Hank in this scene. If you compare him to sort of the pre uh you know him having the panic attacks where you know the guy got his arm crushed in the the trying to remove the body uh-huh. and hanks like they're posing for pictures with it you know which was also pretty disgusting i mean it wasn't a severed head but was also pretty disgusting so the fact that he has this such an aversion at this point whereas i think prior to him having that shootout um with the drug boss i i think he would have been you know of course would have been like you know stood over the top of this going oh my god this is disgusting uh you know and making fun and taking photos and that sort of stuff so it's funny that you know that that it's interesting to see that they're using that sort of almost ptsd sort of thing as a way of moving him out of the way um and like you say, the rest of them are, are making fun of it because of that. Because, you know, I mean, it is it is one thing to see a crushed arm and another entirely something else to see a severed head. I mean, this mm. is pretty sick of the uh, drug cartels, the thing that they've done. I The, the tortoise had whole lot DEA written down the side of it as well. So, um, I mean, yeah, it's... I rather suspect he wouldn't have been quite as disgusted had he not been suffering the sort of PTSD that he'd been suffering. So that's sort of the reason that they move him away. Um, yeah, it's it's a sort of it is a fairly iconic scene. This and, and it's you know just uh, just really twisted. And I don't know who's who wrote this episode. The uh, the mind of whoever came up with this. Um, yeah, I mean, it's that's that's pretty pretty gross. John Shiban, I believe, is the uh, person that wrote this episode. Needs a therapist, that dude. <laughs> mm. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but that's the scene with Hank. This will change him even more going forward. Obviously, um, we see some of that, I think, in, in like the next couple of episodes. And uh, yeah, I, I think I even had a conversation with somebody before. And they said, like, oh, I heard that Breaking Bad's got, like, a head on a tortoise. Like, I don't want to really see that. 
and uh, like implying to me that they didn't want to like watch the show and i was like well you shouldn't kind of i mean i get it if you're kind of like grossed out by it or you don't like it that's that's fair but um i don't know if if you're like throwing a whole show in the bin because of that which is uh, how, how long is the scene a couple of minutes maybe um yeah and then we kind of like move move past it after that uh you, you're missing a lot of great content if if that's kind of the case i don't know if that person did actually watch the uh the season or not um so anyway um but yeah we'll see how this changes hank going forward but uh one of the big kind of uh also iconic scenes as well I, i'm guessing you'd probably buy do you think you can like buy a bust for this or or something or like <laughs> I'm, I'm i'm sure there must be yeah. something like or somebody that maybe done like around. a 3d printed version or or something maybe i don't know you, you can do a lot of things these days so there you go uh moving over to skylar uh i do like how we've gone sort of jesse and walt hank then skylar and then we finish the episode with jesse so uh it's a good bit of a good bit of structure to the episode as well so uh due to due to financial constraints even though they technically technically don't really have any although skylar doesn't really know that uh skylar goes to her old company to apply for an entry-level job she meets with her old uh boss ted bennick um who has taken over the company after his uh father's death he decides to give skylar her old job back in the accounting department um all is um concerned over Skylar's health at the workplace especially since she originally left due to uh, health problems from the company's uh, manufacturing there is uh, obvious sexual tension as well between uh, Ted and Skylar which we see in that scene he reveals that uh, he recently separated from his wife interesting timing uh, the mother of his two children uh, so here she goes there this uh, receptionist doesn't really is kind of a bit insistent they're like hey you can't really see Ted he's kind of busy and uh, she sort of looks through the window and, and Ted is a bit surprised to, to see her and everything. Um, and then, yeah, mm. you see the, the accountant like a few, like a minute or so later. And she doesn't look sort of too happy that Skylar kind of got her away, I suppose. Um, yeah, yeah, there is definitely sexual tension between them. You can kind of tell that like, okay, they do want each other. But obviously Skylar's got walk to think about. And then, uh, I, I mean, it's kind of a bit unlucky for ted in a way like this um woman comes back into his life wants to work for the company that he's at but uh hey she's pregnant and uh, also married to a different guy and he's uh, at that point separated from his wife so he's in okay circumstances to go for her but not the other way around because she's you know married with children so uh unlucky with that ted <laughs> in that situation i suppose because you could you could tell that he he wants her in in that scene i think so um but very interesting mm -hmm. between the two of them anyway but uh kind of an important point from the episode they kind of talk about like oh hey how's walt jr doing how's this person how's that person doing uh doesn't mention walt's uh cancer says he's just kind of like just just trucking along sort of just sort of uh you know, yeah get, getting on with life or whatever uh so doesn't mention that obviously the big thing that's happening in all their lives uh so yeah, the first appearance of uh of a te of ted as well which is which is cool. Mm -hmm. um, what do you think of their scene and uh, his first appearance? Yeah, I I kind of forgotten about this bit of the story uh, because you know I didn't. It's the Skylar story, and I'm sort of less interested in that over the the Jesse and Walt stuff. But 
Um, yeah, I mean, the first introduction of Ted returning, there is actually a conversation between Skylar and Marie later on when they're at the house where there, there had clearly been some sort of sexual harassment that went on between Ted and Skylar. So that also implies that Ted has definitely got an interest in Skylar. Um, mm-hmm. And Skylar is putting herself in a position, I mean, where that could potentially happen again, but uh, she yeah was blows it off as being sort of oh it was a drug he was very drunk and you know that it it, it happened it won't happen again you know he apologised and all that sort of stuff so um but yeah I mean there are there is obviously some tension between the two of them she's now working there we'll have to see where that goes I think hmm. yeah which it will go to some interesting places such as mm-hmm. most of the things in this show. Um, so, yeah, good uh, good scene between the two of them. Uh, a lot of sexual tension and stuff. And, uh, yeah, we'll see where that goes, certainly. So, uh, moving back over to Jesse. Uh, Jesse sees his landlady, uh, Jane, drawing on their front uh, steps because they like, live right next to each other and connects with her over their love of art. However... As he's kind of bonding with her and trying to explain if he did or didn't do art before, <laughs> which she kind of questions him on, yeah. uh, like, "Oh, what did you draw?" And he can't really sort of like c- come up with with an answer. However, as he's sort of bonding with Jane and talking to her, he is identified by a passing uh, guy on a motorbike who has heard of his reputation, and it is revealed that he lied to her about his name because he goes, "Hey, Pinkman," or, or something like that. Uh, mm-hmm. After and so. Uh, yeah, I, I'll leave the uh, the TV scene for, for a little bit later, the end of the episode. Yeah, you see him sort of stop outside the house because I think he's waiting for traffic to go or whatever. And um, it's like, hey, Pinkman. And immediately from that moment, you can see on Jesse's face like, oh, I'm... Uh, Crap. Yeah. yeah. Oops. <laughs> so um, I was kind of thinking in that, in that scene as well, do you think he could... I mean, the game was kind of up at that point. Like Jane on Earth realizes, like, okay, he has he. Like, I think she had her suspicions about it before. Even from the moment he said Jackson, you could kind of see, like, okay, that doesn't really sound yeah. like your real name. You sound like you're making it up. You probably are, but I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. And you can kind of see from her face in this scene with the motorbike guy of like, oh yeah, yeah, it was it was true then. And Jesse's sort of like, did you have to say? <laughs> You know, so um, yeah. do, do you think he could have said, I mean, I know it probably wouldn't have worked. Do you think he could have said, like, that's my middle name or that's my nickname or that's. Uh, yeah, I, I see it. I mean, I think he could have he could have said, oh, it's a nickname. Um, I, and I mean, the whole Jesse Jackson thing, Jesse Jackson, for those of you that don't know, is a fairly famous uh, American politician. Oh, um, I didn't know that. Um, he was a political activist and preacher and you know so that that's why when um he gets you know that when walt turns up and um you know she says oh so you must be mr jackson and he goes in and said jesse jackson really uh to to uh to jesse when okay. Walt goes inside and that's the reason why is because um you know he's a, jesse jackson is a he's a you can go and look him up on wikipedia he's a fairly famous um uh, he, he ran for president and was was a fairly famous uh, or is a fairly famous American politician. So, um, 
that that's why she was obviously suspicious about the name in the first place but um yeah i mean i think it she knew she obviously knew that he was doing something shady hence the fact that you know she kind of uh charges him more money uh, because he's paying cash i think she knew that he was doing something slightly dodgy yeah um but you know that's that's I think she let it slide. Mm. Uh, But yeah, I mean, I I think you could have said, oh, Pinkman's a nickname because of, and then tried to come up with a reason why you you might get the nickname Pinkman. Although that may be equally embarrassing. So I I don't know. Uh, You could maybe have come up with something. Yeah. So um, who was that president running against? Like who actually won that particular election? Because I've I've never Uh, heard of that person. So. Uh, I don't. He never actually was picked as the candidate. I don't think he was one of the Democratic nominees. But I don't know. I don't think he ever actually made it to being the candidate to actually run directly against the Republican nominee. So you know, because yeah, the American system works. They have like yeah, the the, the Democrats or the Republicans will have like twenty candidates or whatever it is, and then they'll whittle it down to like one person, like Barack Obama, will be the person that they put forward to be president. And uh, they will go up against, you know, George Bush, whoever it was. Uh, it wasn't George Bush in that case. Okay, whoever the Democrat, whoever the Republicans put up. So uh, he was one of the Democratic candidates for president, but I don't think he actually made it onto the ticket. Huh. Okay. Um. Who do you remember who won that actual election though? Like, uh, I I don't know. I'd have to go and look it up again. Okay. Okay. But uh, no, I didn't. I didn't had heard of that uh, person. But now that you've just explained all that, that makes a lot more sensors to uh waltz and jane's reactions so <laughs> yeah yeah um whereas i with this uh yeah so motorcyclist uh reveals his his reputation and whatever and uh yeah the, the lie is kind of revealed after he later admits to lying to her she says that she doesn't care what he does as long as he doesn't do it at the house so kind of like in his own privacy or whatever uh later he invites her inside to watch tv even though he can't get his new television working which is a bit awkward but then they hold hands and uh it still says searching for signal with this blue screen thing and then the episode ends there so uh, they do end up bonding in the end which i think is is cool um yeah a bit awkward with um like because it just says on the screen searching for signal and there's like nothing else he can kind of do and he's sit- I-, I found it quite funny actually the way he was sitting there trying to trying to like impress her, trying to say like, hey, this has got. I think he said, <laughs> I think he said that oh, it's got this and that. It makes the blacks really black. And you can see on Jane's face, she's like, oh, cool. <laughs> so yeah, I-, I thought that was that was pretty good. Yeah. And then um, something else he mentioned about color or something. But I remember he's like, oh, the blacks. It makes and the way. <laughs> the way he's trying to sort of explain it is if it's like really really impressive, like state of the art, whatever. And uh, like, mm. oh, the blacks, they, they really come out as quite black. And she's just sitting there just really blank. of like, okay, dude, yeah. Um, she, she can see he's trying to try to impress her, which is which is cool. But uh, I don't know. This is quite part of the Jesse comedy coming out, which I thought was which I thought was great. And um, they bonded the episode anyway. So uh, what mm-hmm. do you think of the little TV scene here? 
Yeah, well, it's it's nice because the the TV scene actually kind of relates somewhat back to the title because you know the the screen is blue and he's talking about the color the black colors on the screen. Yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. it's quite a nice sort of rounding off of of something else that relates back to the title. You know, because the the black and blue of of you know people getting beaten up, the blue meth, uh, also relates to to the the blue screen of the TV and the, the fact that Jesse's rambling about the fact that the blacks are really good on it. And, you know, so it's, it's sort of a, a really nice kind of thing that ties in. It's so clever uh, sort of to tie that into the title as well. Um, and uh, Jane obviously likes a bad boy, which is, is what Jesse appears to be uh, to her at this point. So yeah. um, it's quite sweet really. And, you know, she, it is her that makes the first move and sort of goes and, holds his hand and yeah so um yeah it's quite sweet just just watching jesse kind of try to ramble and impress her well well just sat on folding lawn chairs waiting for this satellite signal to turn up yeah yeah so because he doesn't even try to sort of i mean i don't know what he can access or whatever but he doesn't try to go into like settings and like I do like he can't really yeah. do any he can't like browse channels or talk to her about hey this is what's on there and yeah, it's a, it's a cool scene though. I, I liked it. It's a good end to the episode. Yeah. Um. So yeah, uh, it's getting some feedback and that sort of thing. If you'd like to let us know what you think of Breaking Bad, hopefully you're enjoying it as much as we are because I think we're both definitely enjoying it uh, as well. Or anything else related to Entertainment Talk, uh, Matthew at EntertainmentTalk.org, Twitter eTalkUK, there's a contact page and information in your show notes. Abed says, uh, awesome episode this time. Most of them are, I, I think it's fair to say. Um, liked uh, to see a bit more action and I'm expecting a great end to the season um, I mean Breaking Bad's always at least good I mean there's episodes that are much better than other episodes but I don't think there's any bad episodes I think they're all at least yeah. sort of baseline good I mean we'll get later to uh, a bit more of a controversial episode uh, which I think you know which one I'm talking about I don't want to say anything involving it but uh, an episode that people liked a little bit less but uh, I still thought was was pretty good we'll get to that one later but no Breaking Bad's always at least minimum good television I think and then it only sort of accelerates from there Um, but yeah speaking of like the the action thing I was referencing earlier because I was talking about this email it's always it can sort of action can sort of elevate media and entertainment in a way of like okay with certain things i mean that's the idea of like a popcorn flick isn't it if you okay your Mm -hmm. story your characters are all right um but like hey we've got like you know a bunch of people shooting each other or big robots or whatever and they're kind of fighting each other but there's isn't maybe so much plot or characters or, or story that's really quite so interesting so that's kind of the idea of where a popcorn flick comes from where you can sort of like hey you don't really have to pay attention to the story and you can just watch fun action which is good now and again you know there's nothing wrong wrong with that but breaking bad is one of them things along with many many other things as well where you get a bit of everything where you get action when it's needed when it's appropriate with the whole tortoise thing the explosion and everything or when you get like the shootouts with tuco that sort of thing but then you've also got like you know interesting in-depth you know deep sort of characters uh an interesting narrative interesting story so you do get a bit of everything um i mean that's i mean speaking of the whole like popcorn flick kind of stuff that's where you get things like i don't know what transformers fast and furious things where hey i can watch a bunch of people 
race each other or whatever it is they're doing now i think the next one's going to space or something so who knows um but and then like you know transformers where hey let's watch a bunch of big mech robots beat each other up you know um i mean some people say that's that's what certain like comic book films like with it with the avengers and things obviously the later films have more sort of time travel stuff and timey-wimey things but um what do you what do you kind of think of all that like popcorn fixes compared to something a bit more in depth like breaking bad i i think sometimes you do just want a good popcorn flick i mean i there there is a sort of thing with uh certain movies you know like transformers and the 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 thing that they fall into at the end of basically having you know two equally powerful characters just beating the crap out of each other at the end of it i'm like really you know you couldn't have done something slightly more interesting with it uh so that's one of the tropes that does start to annoy me but um yeah i mean i i think it's different with the tv show you know it's nice with something like breaking bad that does have stronger action sequences in some places but i it's not really what this whole thing is about it's more about the characters and and you know um yeah i i'm happy to see certain action points when it's appropriate to the story for this but there is a there's a much more in-depth and involved story surrounding you know this interesting group of people and i i you know yes it can elevate it in points but that's not what you're watching this particular show for i don't think you're not watching it to be an out and out action sequence it's not something like you know hawaii 5 or swat or you know it's not like a big kind of cbs action procedural that's not the sort of show this is mm. so yeah um yeah I mean, you know, I, I'm okay with action sequences where they're appropriate, but uh, you know, or if I'm if I'm going into a film where I know that's what I'm going into it for. Um, but I, I like things like Breaking Bad that do things in a different way, and it gives you a different experience. Mm-hmm. I mean, even <laughs> excuse me, even with um, things like zombie stories, which I've made very very clear, I'm very into those sorts of things, and I really like zombie stories. Even with something like Army of the Dead that I watched on Saturday, uh, it's not got the most in-depth plot. You know, it's basically a zombie heist money kind kind of film, basically, and that that's sort of it. But the action's quite good in that. And but the the action for me with zombie things is very different because there's kind of all sorts of different like survival elements as to okay, how are you going to get out of this situation? How many zombies are around you? What do you have on you? Who can you trust that's around you? There's there's a bit more to that. I, I think in in certain situations again depends which what thing you're exactly watching. So, mm-hmm. uh, Beth says uh, if Marie was completely taken out of the series, would it make any difference? That's the first question. <laughs> do you, do you think uh, Vince should have removed the character or given her something better to do? She's great at being a supporting character, but nothing more. Um, I mean, yeah, she's in this episode again. She has that conversation with Marie about the whole um, oh, what's his name, Ted. And all the, the yeah. work things that happened before. I mean, if you took the character of Marie out of the series, and obviously you took out conversations like that, because Skylar could have that conversation with somebody else. Um, I suppose it's more of like a sister sort of thing, isn't it? Where, um, yeah, you know, they're, they're sort of you know having that girl talk sort of thing about you know, are you sure this is a good idea and all that? Um, 
Because Marie's actual plot line for herself is the um the the thief stuff with with her stealing things, mm. and that's kind of it. I don't even remember from like we're two oh seven at the moment. I don't remember anything significant for Marie, even from now forwards. So even from what we've no. had now, with like, hey, you stole the tiara for the wedding uh, birthday thing, whatever it was. I think it was a birthday gift, wasn't it? It was a uh, Walt's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Walt's fiftieth birthday. The oh. the um the pilot episode. Um, other than that, she mainly is just kind of like there to support Hank in his story, there to talk to Walt about certain things. Obviously, she had the suspicions about okay, maybe Walt is walking off because of like uh the, the affair or like an affair or whatever. So there just isn't much there. Um, I think it wouldn't. I mean, it wouldn't like break the series or whatever. We, we spoke before about with um like jesse for example like he was gonna uh potentially get killed off at the end of the first season that would have changed most of the show i mean you'd still have had water there you'd still have had the main plot which would have been dying die uh guy dying from cancer um looking to you know make make and sell meth to secure his family future you still would have had that because Walt would have still been alive but um that would have fundamentally changed like the dynamics between jesse and Walt because that wouldn't have been there as opposed to somebody like Marie, that if you take her out, you take out the tara- Tiara uh, story, um, it wouldn't make that much difference, I don't think. Um, but in terms of, I, I mean, what, what do you think? Do you think it would make much difference if she was just like taken out no, the show? No, I mean, I, I, I think she is. You know, and this is nothing against uh, Betsy, the actress that. Oh um, no, not at all. Plays the she's, character. She's there to do. What's I, I, we've on said the before. I, yeah. I think. Um, I think the 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 problem with Marie was she's never been a she, she's probably the worst written character out of all the characters all the main characters in the show, and um, it, it, ironically, actually, she comes off worse when they do try to give her a plot line like the the her stealing things plot line, which was utterly unnecessary. You know that it doesn't really go anywhere that story, and they sort of drop it. It went to down a bit of a blind alley for them. So hmm. th- there's never any huge amount of use to it. She's great as a supporting character, though. You know, she's a supporting character to Hank, supporting character to Skylar's story as a as a sister of somebody that they can talk to and somebody that they can bounce things off. And she's got that kind of um you know busybody sort of thing going on um so as as a sort of supporting character she's actually quite useful yeah but i think the mistake they made in the first season was trying to actually put a plot line directly onto her and um that i i think is where they went wrong with it when they kind of walk that back and as you said, moving forward, I, there isn't a particular Marie-focused story moving forward that I can remember. Um, so I I think when they put her back into just being a supporting role, she actually works much better. She's quite useful, uh, you know, as like you say, there are conversations that Skylar has to have with somebody. So it sort of makes sense that it's her sister that they that she has conversations with and it's same with hank when he's dealing with the ptsd you sort of need marie there as as somebody that's the sort of witness to that so um i I, you know it's very much a supporting role i think out of 
the characters she's there to to help out the other characters of particularly of Skylar and Hank um so I think yes it would change things because if that character wasn't there and say Hank was single that would quite deeply change Hank as a character I think and if Skylar hadn't got her to talk to you would sort of have to introduce a sort of friend character or something if she hadn't got a sister mm, so, yeah. so there was so there needs to be a character in that role so I wouldn't completely write off the character totally I just think she is useful in a supporting role I just don't think she's particularly useful in a um, main role in terms of the plotting of it, I know she was a main, she was one of the main cast, but in terms of, in terms of what that character is there for, is a utility to support the other characters more than anything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but yeah, I n- none of it is. Uh, I think it's Betsy Brand, isn't it? Her her name. Yeah. Um, yeah. She's just there to do what's what's on the script. You know. She. Uh, yeah, I mean. She I mean. A- Good job. Act- actors can say like, "Hey, you might want to do this or that with the character," but it's not up to them to completely make that choice they're sort of just there for hey here's the script this is what your character's doing you can discuss it or whatever with you know vince or whoever's there at the time but uh that's ultimately what she's there to do so um yeah those sorts of things aren't really ever on the actors or the actresses it's more to do with just okay the way the character's written so but uh interesting question nonetheless Uh, and that's what we've got for you for this episode of uh breaking bad we're we'll back next week for two oh eight. Um, whatever that one's. Oh, yeah, I know what that one's called. Yeah. Um, because I yes, I know what that up. one's called as yeah. well. I looked, it, I I looked it up. It's. Uh, I'm very much looking forward to next week's. Me too. Yeah, because I. Uh, yeah, remember I. I do know what the episode's called because I made a draft for it earlier this week for next week's podcast, and we'll see you for that one next week. Uh, thank you very much for listening. You can find everything else that we do on entertainmenttalk.org TV, video games, films and main night podcast big big final tonight I'm just hoping we can defend properly because if we can do that then we just have to score football isn't actually that simple but you know it anyway so uh, we'll see how that goes uh, later on but when it gets to around 10 o'clock tonight be thinking of me because we'll either have lost or have won the game so we shall see <laughs> uh, so there's that but uh, it's a big event for the podcast as well we, I, I haven't done a coverage for any cup finals because we haven't been in any in the last two years uh, which is when I started covering the football so uh, look out for that later tonight as well uh, entertainmenttalk.org for all of that uh, TV, video games, films, May Night podcast uh, if you love what we do here and you'd like to support more of it that would be great there's a few different options for you you can either just listen to other podcasts that we've done there's plenty of them on the website and of course more in the future uh, so you can listen to all those entertainmenttalk.org and search for us on podcast platforms um, you can use word of mouth and social media so let people know about what we do and where they can find it uh, so that sort of thing as well social media, Facebook, Twitter, that kind of thing you can share them around on there that would be great if you could do that uh, Patreon, $1, $3 level tiers add free podcast review options check that out if you'd like to do so as well uh, Bex is streaming daily pretty much over on Twitch Trista Bytes, Trista B-Y-T-E-S doing a lot of uh, really good stuff at the moment so uh, go and check out what she's up to over on Twitch uh, you can also find me on Twitch as well, eTalkUK, uh, streaming some more Last of Us stuff recently. So uh, uh, please go and give me a follow on there. Go, go, go and give me and Bex follows on Twitch as Trista Bytes, Trista B-Y-T-E-S. 
and uh, eTalk UK for me on Twitch. You can also find the archive streams of mine later on YouTube Entertainment Talk Plays. Uh, and of course, you can also find David on Geektown, geektown.co.uk and Geektown Radio. Those come out on Tuesdays. There's a new episode available available for uh, f- for you from yesterday, so go and check that one out. Uh, big uh, things happening with TV renewals at the moment, uh, so go and find out if your favourite US show is coming back because it might not be so um have a look out for all that geek town radio tuesdays geektown.co.uk check all that out thanks for listening and we'll see you for next week's episode next week goodbye thanks for listening goodbye bye